0: So everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's your host, Evan Sutter. I'm joined by co host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at Eve You can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns, Twitter adjanny already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys just over 24 hours away from the NBA draft. We're doing a special mock draft for you today, going through picks one through 14 throughout the entire lottery, which will obviously cover the Sunday 6th. We're, I'm going to include trade in this one because I think it's going to be a wild night tomorrow night, Brennan. Before we get into it, though, what are your expectations to tomorrow's draft? Because within the last hour, or so we already have a, a big trade with Mike Conley to the Jazz.
1: Yeah, well, I'll start there. My expectation is the Suns won't trade their sixth pick for Mike Conley. Right, um, right. That one's a pretty easy one, but no, I think. I mean, the the, the key word we've been using all week has been chaos, and I. Typically, always expect that on draft night, but I think this one will be uh, even more in that realm for a variety of reasons that so we've gone over. It's a weak class. There's a lot of high stakes things being kind of held up by the draft between the Lakers and Pelicans trade and free agency dis- decisions and various rebuilds that kind of want to be pushed forward a little bit in Atlanta and Phoenix and a whole a whole bunch. Boston, I guess, could fit in there now, rebuilding suddenly. so. There's a whole lot going on. Uh, pretty much, you know, probably two dozen teams have have a lot to gain or lose tomorrow, which feels unusual as well. So, we tried when our mock draft we're about to do to account for that a little bit. Um, we're probably going to get most of it wrong because uh, we can't predict this stuff because it's genuinely uh, shocking every single year. But I hope that you guys get a little bit of of a taste of what to expect here and. The Suns will be right in the middle of all of it, literally, at number six.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a crazy night tomorrow night. And we actually decided that Brendan's going to be odds. I'm going to be evens here. So, Brendan, might as well kick us off here with the New Orleans Pugets number one overall. Are you going to deviate off the Zion Williamson? Uh,
1: No, I think that would be idiotic, and idiotic on their part. And they are building a team around him already that's going to be very exciting. So, no not doing anything crazy here. It's going to be Zion for me out of Duke. It feels even silly to like give the position and school for him, but you know, guard, forward, center out of Duke, Zion Williamson is the number one pick.
0: Totally agree to there, and I think it's a no-brainer. Pretty much the easiest no-brainer we've had in the draft in a long time, probably since Anthony Davis. And I wanted to get your thoughts real quick before we go to number two pick. What are the percent odds you put place right now without him stepping into the NBA? that he's an all-star year one. I know it's hard to say right now, but if you had the guess, you think Zion's going to to the hype right away.
1: No, I don't. I don't think he'll be an all-star in year one. I mean, even LeBron wasn't, right? So it feels unlikely. I think LeBron was far more polished. And I think Zion will have a little bit of, I think he'll be awesome. But I think, you know, as a ball handler, as a defensive player, he'll probably have some growing pains, just like any rookie. I think the growing pains will just be at an infinitely higher level because of his feel for the game and just athleticism and talent. But I think that he'll still have a little ways to go. I, I would expect that we start discussing that year too for him.
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I think more so next year. I think Drew Holiday is going to have an amazing time next year leading that group with Lonzo and Zion and Brendan Ingram. That's going to be a really fun team to watch. It's definitely, if you own NBA League Pass, I think the Pelicans are probably the top of your list. if You're not already watching the Phoenix Suns. But for number two, I'm going to go with the easy pick now that was already cemented less than an hour ago with the trade of Mike kind to the Jazz for... Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, and a pick, two future picks. I'm going to lock in Ja Morant, point guard on Murray State. And I think Ja and Triple J is actually going to be really fun, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I think Memphis will quietly be a fun team, especially getting another rookie in there at 23. I think we'll get to see Grayson Allen a little bit more, who's always been somebody I've been fascinated by in the NBA. We didn't really get to see him because Utah was in the middle of a playoff race the whole season and couldn't really afford that. So, Morant, Allen... Triple J and whoever they get um, at 23 will be pretty fun to watch. So Morant's going to be kind of leading that show. And I think it's going to be a fun young group that can get up and down the court and tailor-made for what he's good at. So that should be fun to watch. Uh, at number three, I am going with RJ Barrett. I think that's pretty obvious as well. I think it actually, for from just RJ's perspective, obviously, the probably the only angle you can take the Kevin Durant injury from and try to spin it into a positive, but Barrett will, if the Knicks do end up with Kevin Durant and have to rehab his injury throughout the entire season, I think that actually opens up some, a nice opportunity for Barrett to develop and, you know, he'll still have Kevin Knox potentially, you know, Frank Nielakina or Mitchell Robinson. They have some young pieces where it's not just going to be Barrett getting into too many bad decisions. But I do like the idea of him getting used to the NBA, getting used to the market he's going to be in out in New York and just kind of figure things out for a year before the pressure of potentially being traded or having to play with a top 10 player comes right back to him.
0: Yeah, I think RJ is the guy who's pretty much locked in at this point, I have to assume. But they did work out Darius Curran, I guess, today. So there, I guess there's some chance that they could go off the beaten path and take a Darius Curran. But I'd be really shocked by that. I think RJ Barrett is going to be a guy who's built around as a building block from New York Knicks for the future. Who knows if he's traded in a year or two, because it seems like the Knicks and Lakers are always a little bit impatient. But we'll have to see about that. Number four on my board, though, this is the first trade up here, which is originally from the New Orleans Pelicans. And I actually have a trader. I want to get your thoughts on before I actually submit the pick, which is DeMontis Sabonis, number 18, and Doug McDermott for the number four pick, which is a patient we from 18 to 4.
1: Yeah, can you tell the listeners and me where the Kevin O'Connor, kind of what he said with regards to the Pacers potentially being a candidate to move up there? Because I hadn't heard it and I couldn't really find it.
0: Yeah, KOC mentioned in his story that um, he's heard not only the Ricky Rubio reports that the Pacers are prioritizing Rubio, but he also mentioned that the Suns, or it's not the Suns, excuse of the Pacers, have had exploratory conversations with the Pelicans. It was, it was buried in the bottom of the story released yesterday about Them exploring the possibility of moving up to number four in the draft, and they talk about trading up. So, I I think with them, they're in a position where they have Miles Turner to Sabonis. You really can't. I don't think long term those guys work together for for spacing reasons. And I think you got to do one of them. I think they're going to probably deal Sabonis, I'd imagine. But I'm more so Sabonis fan than Miles Turner fan. But I really do think that Sabonis is a great mix of Zion. So, what do you think about that from both sides?
1: Yeah, I like the fit. I think that trade, if it does if the Pacers are successful in pulling it off, I think it will be something including a front court piece. And I feel like Sabonis is the most likely, just like you having not been yet extended and uh, probably not as far along as a developmental, as a, as a project than Turner is. So, you know, if you have to move off of one of those guys, it feels more likely that you move off of the one who's been in the league less time and you haven't paid yet. So I like the fit with next to Zion a lot though, especially if Sabonis can go back to shooting a little bit more from the outside. So who are you taking at four with the Pacers?
0: Yeah, real quick before I go now, just so if the listeners didn't know what the Pacers discussed, here's the the sentence here from Kevin O'Connor on it. The Pacers have also discussed a trade the Pelicans for number four pick in the draft according to league sources. So that that was buried okay. in story, but it's interesting nonetheless they're even talk about this with how Indiana played last year without Oladipa. But for me, I know some fans might think Jared Colver's the pick here, but I think just trying to think from the Pacers' perspective here, Darren Collison's gone. Corey Joseph is gone. Darius Garland with Depot sounds a lot of fun. So I'm going to lock in Garland with the Pacers.
1: Yeah, you couldn't get more different having Garland back up Ricky Rubio. That would be <laughs> like from the beginning of the first quarter to the end of the second quarter, or the end of the first quarter in a game, just the way that their style and and the amount of fun it is to watch them would change would be pretty uh, Stark, but that's that's a good pick. It feels like that's who they would want to target. They want to find that building block, especially after missing out on Mike Conley now. Next to Oladipo, but at five, um, we have another trade. This one you will be making the majority of the picks from it, but it comes in here at five. It is the pick we talked about all those days ago, all those episodes ago with Chris Manning when the Hawks originally acquired number 17 in a trade with the Nets that they probably were going to try to package those to get up in the draft. So this is eight and ten, which the Hawks own both of by way of the Luka Doncic trade. Four number five, which Cleveland currently owns. So Cleveland gets two picks in the top 10 now. Atlanta gets to move up and I will cement here at number five with the Hawks Jared Culver, who I think I know there's a lot of DeAndre Hunter buzz. I just don't, I won't buy it until I see it because I think Culver is just a pretty clear upgrade, a, a pretty clearly better prospect than Hunter. So, and I like the fit. I like him being, you know, a two, three with Kevin Herter, defending whichever guy kind of is the best in the opposing team's backcourt. I think all of that makes a lot of sense. So it could be Hunter here, but I'll go Culver.
0: I agree with you. I think Culver should be the pick here if Atlanta doesn't demove up. Just I know there's buzz that you mentioned that the Hunter only worked out for the Hawks and that it's really the Hawks or the Cavs are going to get DeAndre Hunter here. But I really think that a guy like Culver makes so much sense next to Trey Young in Atlanta and also Kevin Herter. Do you actually like the core fit with Young more than you do with Booker and Phoenix?
1: Um, I don't know about more. I think he, his value, it's going to be a pretty similar value, right? You get another ball handler in there, which I think is going to just get – just going to make Atlanta's offense even more. Um, you know, it maybe puts a ceiling on it if he doesn't quite shoot, but I think Travis Schlenk over coming from golden State's going to want to have playmaking at every position. So Culver is an awesome option at the two, three there to unlock that. And I think you do get into some, any you, you get into a, a quite a few problems with young and Herter being your backcourt just defensively. So if you can get someone young in there like Culver, who's going to be a pretty top level perimeter defender in my opinion i think that you have to do it
0: yeah i agree with you there i think Culver is going to be a pick if this indeed happens If he's on the board of five i think he's going to end up a cavalier a pelican or a hawk by the end of the night that's those top three teams seem like the most logical destinies for jared Culver come tomorrow night but the, the suns are officially on the clock here number six in our mock draft brennan and i'm actually going to go on in a path that i don't think we're fans of i think it's the most realistic that we continue to get closer and closer to the draft there's way too much noise revolving around this name with the suns I'm locking in Kobe White to the Suns here at six.
1: Yep. I think, uh, I think we have to just get used to that possibility at this point. So I don't know if, I don't know if I have much more to say there. It feels just kind of inevitable at this point. So Kobe White to the Suns. Yeah. I mean, do you have anything else to say? Like I, I think that we've kind of said all the positives and negatives at this point. And I think people know, from all the rumors, why he's probably the most the most likely candidate. And the way we, we've said, the only way that might not happen is if Garland or Culver were available. Neither guy's available. I don't think that they would pick Hunter over White. So, I mean, I just think this is pretty obvious if it falls this way.
0: Yeah, I just seems like connecting all the dots recently, they only had three private workouts what we know at least. Kobe White told Gina Mazzella today that he worked out for the Suns, which you kind of knew from his Instagram story last week when he was in a 105-degree place, which is like Phoenix itself, and that's it. Then we have Brandon Clark and Jared Culver. Those are the only three we know that worked out for the team. So I'm assuming just hypothetically, no no reporting here, that if Culver and White are off the board, they're gonna probably trade that pick. But if if one of them are on the board, I think they're gonna take either Culver or White. And in this scenario, Kobe White's the pick. And I think DeAndre Hunter there's been no buzz of him in Phoenix, so I don't see him being a pick here. And really, I know Mike Schmitz made a good argument about it on last night's episode of the mock draft special with Kobe White, but just real quickly, Brent, just to reiterate, just Kobe White will not be a starter next year. They're gonna to have to sign someone to free agency.
1: I mean, I I don't think we can he maybe we should say shouldn't be. I mean, assuming that the, that the Suns will create lucrative depth at the point guard spot seems like a little bit silly after previous years. I think that they it seems like they plan to continue to survey the market in free agency, even if they draft a guy here. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, but I don't know if they will, I mean, maybe they like him that this much that you know they'd start him and have Tyler Johnson come off the bench and they feel content with that. I don't know, I mean, I think his shooting is fine if you if he were to start, I think he'd get pretty ripped up on defense and would have a lot of growing pains turning the ball over and getting you know swatted at the rim, but he's a shooter like i I don't know, I don't think it's impossible that he's a starter next year, but really quick one thing on the suns that kind of got swept under the rug a little bit um, I don't know if it's incredibly extraordinary or whatever, but Sam Vassini had had in his uh, mock draft over at the Athletic that Culver, who did his pro day with Octagon, which is his agency over here in Phoenix, uh, late last month in May, he's been working out here throughout the pre-draft process. So he's been here kind of the whole time, which maybe explains a little bit of why the Suns went to Lubbock for their official meeting with him just to, okay, we've already seen you play because your gym's right down the street from us, but let's go see kind of what you're like as a guy and, and what your family and friends and coaches are like. So that I think we should mention just if this if it does play the Suns way where Culver's available, I, I, I think it's increasingly likely that if Culver and White are both available, Culver would be the guy.
0: I hope that's a scenario too. I think just from, from our vantage point, Brent, I think a lot of Suns Twitter, if both are on the board there at six and they pass on Cole for Kobe White, that's going to be a little crushing for me at least. But who do, yeah, you, have, be. Who do you have a number seven for us? Do you think it's going to be a, a DeAndre Hunter type? Because, I mean, for the Bulls in this scenario, they kind of broke the wrong way with both those point guards off the board.
1: Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's a rough spot for the Bulls. Um, the, have you heard the Jackson Hayes rumors for them?
0: Oh my goodness. That's just, uh, that's terrible. I, I don't know why you'd even consider Hayley. It, <laughs> oh, it'd
1: be so funny. Um, I don't know. It, it would be really frustrating for the bulls and their fans if, if it broke this way, cause there's just not another obvious fit here. I would probably just go with somebody that I think um, could, could just be a, a flyer, a, a top talent type of Thing I would expect that they would probably go with DeAndre Hunter to get another wing in there, but I'll go Cam Reddish just to spice things up a little bit. I feel like it's not a terrible situation for Reddish to come into, considering that Zach Levine will be on the ball quite a bit. They're going to have to probably address point guard in free agency this way, and they have a couple other scorers, and Larry Markin and Wendell Carter will continue to get a little more. So I think you could, and Otto Porter, obviously, so you could see him coming in and playing off the bench and, and coming along slowly. It's not perfect for him, but I could see them taking a flyer if their you know, plans A through C just fall through.
0: Yeah, I could really see a scenario like that because Reddish obviously has a top five talent, but he's going to take a couple years. And I think really his floor seems to be like, even though we're not as high on him, probably number eight at Atlanta. I think if he's there on the board of eight, he's going to be taken by the Hawks. So that rounds out our top seven here. Just to recap really quick for you guys, went Zion, John Morant, RJ Barrett. Darius Garland had a trade with the Pacers. And we went Jared Culver and a Hawks with a trade back with the Cavaliers. Then the Suns took Kobe White and the Bulls took Cam Reddish. So before we go on for next summit, though, going through picks eight through fourteen, want to tell you guys really quickly when you're driving to work or on your way to work around town, all you have to do to tell your smart device is play podcast locked on Phoenix Suns. And we'll be right there with you for the drive wherever you're going.
1: Really quickly, want to remind you guys as well about the locked on NBA mock draft. Finished up yesterday. Uh, similar obviously to what we're doing today, but we went all the way one through 30. Tons of trades, probably like almost 10 trades altogether. Um, experts from every city across the NBA breaking it all down for you, as well as Jeremy Wu of SI.com, Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball to give you every perspective you would need as you're trying to make sense of this crazy draft heading into Thursday. So we have five episodes over on the Locked On NBA feeds uh, Wednesday last week, all the way through Tuesday of this week. So go check that out. Subscribe to that show. We will have draft coverage and free agency coverage all the way through the summer. All right, let's start off with number eight, Evan. Who do you have for the Cavaliers now after our trade in the last segment, moving back from five to get eight and 10?
0: It kind of feels like this could be the guy anyways at five if they were to stay there, and that's DeAndre Hunter for the Cavs at number eight. I think he's just a perfect fit for a John Beeline-type system where it's going to be a lot of ball movement, a lot of screens and shooting. I think just Hunter checks so many boxes there. I think Beeline's going to want a, a ready-made NBA player as well to contribute. Who knows how much upside Hunter has, but I think he's at least a second or third option in Cleveland. I'm interested to see how that goes.
1: Yeah, and I think that they might value a, like a culture builder, a, a hard-working type of guy. He's improved for... Uh, exponentially every year since his junior senior season of high school which is something I mean I didn't watch him but plenty of reporters have noted that at this point and obviously made a pretty big leap as a scoring option switch defender as a sophomore so I like the pick for Cleveland and they get another one at 10 which makes a, a lower upside type of guy not quite as much of a risk so we have the wizards at number 9 here this is just the pick everybody is going with at this point which is Seiko Dumboya. Um, I went and watched the 34-point game that he had a few weeks back near the end of the French League season, and I don't think I actually learned that much. He kind of just made some shots, to be honest with you, but I think Pascal Siakam's growth, especially throughout the playoffs and into the finals, will make people even more excited to take a guy who was born in Nigeria, or born in uh, Guinea, and has really grown a lot. He's very, very young, too, only turned 18 on Christmas, so. That would be my pick if I'm just kind of shooting for the moon as Washington with that John Wall contract, just hurting my ability to really improve much at all.
0: I think we talked about this on a podcast maybe two or three weeks ago when we were really diving on the draft, but doesn't it feel like Pascal Siakam is the new dream on green where all these prospects are going to be like, oh, he could be the next Pascal, and you're right on the money that we're going
1: Yeah, and I mean they. I think it was the Draft Express guys who posted the similarities in their measurements and athletic testing. At Duboya, finally did a pro day a couple weeks ago now, and pretty much identical physically to Siakam. A little bit more chiseled already at a younger age, which maybe just increases his stock. Probably never going to be the ball handler, have the speed Siakam, and those are all things that make Siakam elite. But I think if Washington's sitting here just thinking, especially if they don't have a general manager, which seems pretty locked in at this point, considering the draft is like 28 hours away. They might just say, okay, let's just kind of take the highest upside guy here and we'll let the next guy figure out what to do.
0: Yeah, it feels like really, honestly, Don out of the Wizards is like one of the cleanest locks outside of that top five. And that five to 12 range, he seems like the cleanest one you slot in. I would nine. say
1: Nasir Little might be another option there, kind of along the same lines. But yeah, I mean, I think part of it is people just don't know what to make of them. There's not much reporting because there's not much consensus, I would guess, with the lack of clarity of who's even running
0: things. It's incredible that they don't even have a GM right now. <laughs> it's the day before the draft, which is, uh, I can't yeah. get over that, but... Number number ten overall for us in our mock draft, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers again. I'm going with an upside pick, like you were mentioning. I'm going Jackson Hayes out of Texas. I actually like the fit with Cleveland if he's going if you're gonna have Sexton, DeAndre Hunter, and Jackson Hayes. I actually I think that trio's maybe not the highest upside, but you're really betting on Hunter and Hayes being like all star type players, in my opinion.
1: Well, I mean, even if they aren't, like you're you're at that point, you're looking at next, I mean, none of those guys are good enough to take you out of the lottery next year, even, even win the East, so you're going to have another high pick next year. They have some assets, they have 26 this year as well. So, you know, they could use that and maybe push it down the road, get a future asset. Like they have some flexibility. So even if those guys aren't all-stars, like they're building out a core and maybe, maybe, you know, in the future, they go get that higher upside guy in a better draft class. They could get a better guy at number five or six in next year's class than they would have gotten. If they had just stayed at five this year, just because the the class expects to be better, so I, I like this uh, quantity play, like we were kind of talking about with Chris a couple of weeks ago. Just get as many guys as in there because the the cupboard is just really empty right now.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you, if we're talking just about twenty six real quick, which the Cavaliers also own, I feel like if this happens when they go Hunter and Hayes, now I think Ty Jerome makes so much sense for that twenty six pick. I feel like I don't know, he just screams to me a Cavalier.
1: He screams to me like a a John Beeline guy. I mean, think about Nick Stauskas, Trey Burke, uh, Karis Levert, just those. They're not elite athletes, but like they can make shots, make smart decisions, do some stuff with the ball in their hands. I think Ty Jerome definitely makes sense. If he doesn't go to Philly at 24, I think he'll be in Cleveland. Apparently, he has some sort of connection with Kobe Altman, too. Ty Jerome does. I don't really understand what it is because the ESPN thing is very vague on it, but... Somehow they know each other, so for whatever that's worth. Um, at 11, though, um, who was picking at 11? Minnesota. Oh, the, the Timberwolves. There we go. I, I think this one is going to make any Suns fans who fell in love with Brandon Clark a little bit upset, but I think Minnesota taking him just makes a lot of sense. I think the way that Carl Anthony Towns has grown as a passer, as a ball handler, as a shooter— perfectly opens up the floor for Clark to be more of a role threat on offense and we know Towns has not really come along defensively quite like you would like but he's good on the perimeter so I think they could switch a little bit more out there and you maybe if you're Minnesota want somebody who's a little bit more ready to contribute considering Towns is entering his max contract so all those things just make Clark an obvious pick for me.
0: I think really Clark. I know we've been hearing a lot of Rui Achimura buzz, but I mean, if you're from Minnesota's perspective, why would you take Achimura over Clark? I'm just curious to hear like maybe the devil's advocate point of view, why you wouldn't take Clark? Because it just seems like if you're not valuing defense, you would take Achimura over Clark, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, I've seen some people. I, I don't think they should take Achimura. I have Hachimura in, I think in the second round on my draft board. Um, I have him right at 29. So clearly not who I would take, but I would actually think the other options might be nasir little or Seku Dumboya if the wolves I just refuse to believe that Gerson Rosas and not only him but um Sachin Gupta, who he took from Detroit, two guys who came up through the league not as players but as you know analytics focused scouting focused um really you know detail oriented guys would really see anything in. Hachimura that stands out that just would shock me so I don't I'm just kind of refusing to believe that for right now and Sam Vecini another note he had in his mock draft which people should go read if they subscribe to The Athletic is they've continued to bring guys in like a lot of guys in at that range so the idea that they promised Rui Hachimura all the way before the draft combine and then have just brought in all these guys just as like a facade it's kind of ridiculous, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they'll take Clark, Dumboya, or Little.
0: Yeah, I really personally, I think we're both in the same opinion. here. Achimura is not a lot, lottery prospect. I, I think he's more so on the lines of a guy in the late teens, early 20s. I'm actually ranked twenty six on my board. I'm just not that high on him. And we The other have-
1: thing with Minnesota, too, is they're rumored to be interested in moving up another one of the teams that could be in talks with the Pelicans to move up to four, just so people kind of have that on their radar. Yeah, that
0: as well. They worked at Kobe White, too, so that could be a possibility. I know Gambo's been talking about it. If Garland and White are off the board of four or five, what are the Suns going to do? But there's a scenario there that if the Timberwolves indeed love Kobe White, maybe they trip in front of the Suns and get him. But number 12 in our mock draft here, I'm going with the Charlotte Hornets, and it feels like BPA at this point. T- P.J. Washington out of Charlotte just feels like a Hornet to me because him and Kemba and the pick and pop just sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Agreed. That's been the one that I've kind of clung to. I was counting up today. I've done thirty-five mock drafts this year. Are you all right? <laughs> Not really. So this is number. I mean, thirty-five is going up tomorrow. The morning of uh, today, I guess, would be thirty-six. Then I also did one after the Anthony Davis trade, really quick. So yeah, I, I'm a. I've kind of considered every angle of this, but it's crazy. Every year, it still makes it like it still goes completely haywire, which is what makes it so fun to keep doing it every week, even with it getting a little bit old. So Washington's been the one I've stuck to in Charlotte the most. I also just think he's a fit. I mean, they I guess their coach James Borrego has made a really big emphasis all throughout the season and into the offseason about their need for rim protection. So people have thought Jackson Hayes might be an option there. I think he could go Goja Batadzi is another one. Um, but it doesn't seem likely that Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak would take Goja Batadzi. <laughs> so I think Washington's the safer bet if Hayes is off the board.
0: All right, we're on the Miami here, which is an interesting team who I think might have a lot of different names in there by this time next year to do a lot of trades. but who do you have there at thirteen for Miami?
1: I think it's between Romeo Langford and Kevin Porter Jr. I think their infrastructure culture focus on you know strength conditioning just very rudimentary would really help both of those guys so i would I think I would lean toward Kevin Porter Jr. That was one of the late things on my draft board that I switched up was putting Porter ahead. So I'll go with him. I just think they need some ball handling and playmaking and scoring at the guard spots with Waiters and Dragic both out kind of on the outs over the next couple of seasons. So that's my pick. Um I don't know where they go though. They're always tough to read.
0: All right. We're on to our final pick here in our mock draft. Then, and actually it's actually a trade. The Boston Celtics are officially on the clock here, but I want to hear your thoughts on this one. A trade actually now it does not even exist. So I don't oh, yeah, know. Oh yeah, I
1: didn't even think about that when we were going yeah, we, <laughs> when we were planning for it.
0: We were going to do a Mike Conley trade here, but I guess we really shouldn't do that now. Yeah,
1: yeah. I guess you just got to go with a pick for the Celtics.
0: Yeah, we're, but it's lucky with listeners. Now we're going to do 14 plus 20, plus whatever else is, was needed to do Mike Conley to Boston. I would have loved that fit there. But now he's a Utah Jazz, so we're going to stick with the Boston Celtics here on the board, number 14, and take BPA, in my opinion, even though he might not be BPA for some. I'm not as high on him as Nasir, as I really originally was about four or five months ago, but Nasir Little, of North Carolina makes too much sense here. If the Celtics indeed do keep the pick, might as well as swing for the fences and get another win in this year. This year, little maybe Goja, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I'm one of those two.
1: Yeah, Goja I really like, especially now that Horford is not going to be there anymore. And I think the Celtics well, yeah. would be would yeah, be one team. Over them, <laughs> <laughs> sure, go for yeah. it. Yeah, I, I really like that. I've liked it even with Horford there, but maybe later on at twenty or twenty two. Uh, just I think that they're a team who would be willing to bet on a guy like that and and develop him. They've done that in past years, they kind of just tend to take like best player available almost all the time, which is one team that actually tends to do that, whereas others say that they will and then don't. So I think that might actually be a, a pick for them. And he could play right away. I mean, having him and Robert Williams and kind of just seeing where that goes is a, is a decent plan for them. I'm fascinated by the Celtics. I genuinely have no idea what they're going to do. Woj just keeps hammering home that they're not going to make all three picks in the first round. They don't want to have three rookies on the roster. That screams to me that Either they try to consolidate and move up, or they make a panic trade for somebody that probably yeah. isn't worth it with the way that their team's going
0: right now. That's why, that's why I was thinking with that Conley trade with Kyrie and then with Horford, you would think, okay, they're just going kind to of push those chips from my Conley so they can stay relevant. Now with Utah doing that, I do wonder where Boston and Chris D- Paul are. Go. Oh, gosh. Oh, my. <laughs> 14,
1: 14 and Marcus Smart for Chris Paul or something. Oh, that would, that, would, would, that have would have to be Hayward, yeah. I guess. But that, that would, would be cool. hilarious.
0: I would break NBA Twitter. I, I couldn't imagine something like that. But I mean, let me ask you this before we go on to our final segment, just with the Celtics here, if they do want to consolidate those assets, is there a possibility you think maybe they would, maybe the Suns would be interested in something like 14 plus 20 for six or anything that's too little?
1: It's probably too little, but maybe you start to add in some other stuff and see. I mean, I definitely think the Suns would probably not prioritize taking more rookies if, you know, if, if a future asset was on the table, it seems to me like they might prefer that, but it's also hard to tell. I don't really know what the timeline that James Jones envisions is, which is part of the curiosity we've had about the Suns approach all along. Like, would they actually really want to take a player at 14 and 20, or would they prefer, you know, probably not the Grizzlies pick or anything like that, but if they could get you know, maybe a future Celtics pick or something like that. Instead, maybe that appeals to them. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, but I think the Celtics are somebody we should have our eye on as a move-up candidate for sure.
0: Yeah, as you can tell by this, mob draft, I'm going to run through it one more time for you guys in case you forgot. Pelicans got Zion Williamson. The Grizzlies got John Morant. The Knicks got R.J. Barrett. The Pacers moved up with DeMontis Sabonis from 18 to 40 and Darius Garland. The Hawks trade up 8 to 10. From, with 8 and 10 to move to number 5 to get Jared Culver. The Suns took Kobe White. The the Bulls drafted uh, Cam Reddish, the Cavaliers drafted DeAndre Hunter, the Wizards got Sekou Domboya, and the Cavs, who had another pick in this trade, took Jackson Hayes, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected Brandon Clark, the Charlotte Hornets selected P.J. Washington, the Miami Heat selected Kevin Porter Jr., and the Boston Celtics selected Gogo Bataze as their new center of the future after Al Al Horford's probably going to leave. So. That's a really interesting mock. I think it obviously may, might not be realistic, but I think it's kind of goes to show how wild the draft's going to be. So before we go on to our next summit here, guys, I want to tell you really quickly, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, wherever you find us at, and leave us a five-star review if you love what you're hearing here on Locked On Sunday. Appreciate the support. Any written reviews, any questions, we're hammering that home to you guys because we want to be more active with you guys. I hope you guys want to be more active with us as well. We want to make it more of a – uh, not fan friendly. So to say, we want to answer all your questions. So if you want to, please leave us a bright side comment section. If you're listening over on Brightside, wherever you're at Apple stitcher, leave us a question, wherever you're listening on our podcast, that we'll be sure to answer it.
1: Yeah. And uh, we'll do a, a recap show Thursday night and then probably be talking about it even more Friday morning. So if you want anything, why the hell did the Suns take Kobe white? What was this random trade that happened? Please explain why Tyler Johnson hasn't picked up his option, whatever things you want us to talk about, Uh, Thursday and Friday will be plenty of good opportunities to do that. So throw up a review with a question if you like what we are putting out, and we would appreciate it. All right, let's just do three questions here for the recap because it's probably the three things that I think we want to talk about. So the three that I have are, will the Suns make their pick at six? Okay. What is the TJ Warren trade if there is one, and what is the Josh Jackson trade, if there is one? Because I think that encapsulates, like, will they move up? That's kind of probably involved with the TJ stuff or the Josh stuff. And then, you know, who should they pick at 32? That's kind of wrapped up in there as well. So those are the three prediction questions that I would have. If you have another one, we can add it to the list, and then maybe just kind of each go off of it.
0: No, that's actually, I I was going to cover TJ and Josh as my predictions on that too. So we covered all there. Might as well start the first one there, which is, do the Suns stay at six? We'll, I'll toss it your way first.
1: The trades are what's going to be crazy about this as we just went over in the mock draft. And I don't think that the Suns are in a hurry to move. Uh, James Jones just said in, his, in, in an interview with Dwayne Rankin as the local beat writers descend upon Brooklyn for this draft that, he's, that it's not up for auction number six, but I kind of continue to not believe that. I would say I would bet on it being a pick made by the Suns, but I don't think it's like a 95% chance. I would put it at like 70% that they make
0: it. Yeah, we're on the same page there. I'm around 70, 75%. I'll go 75% to change it up there. I think really the scenarios go with just playing off workouts. Again, it's just hypothetical, not reporting on my end, but I think it's either going to be Jared Culver or Kobe White, whoever's on the board there. And know both are off the board for some reason at four and five, I think the Suns will try to trade back, maybe get Brandon Clark because they worked him out before in a private one on zero setting, but I'll go 75%. I do think that Culver probably is off the board. I think Kobe Wyatt six is really the most realistic outcome here. All
1: right. So you had some Josh and TJ trades. I didn't really, but I can just kind of give my commentary. So why don't we start with TJ since that's the higher paid, higher value guy.
0: Yeah, for TJ, I was thinking for a trade with him because, I mean, according to Woj, we didn't see my tweet yesterday. I tweeted the entire segment on my on my Twitter account with what Woj and Mike Schmidt were saying, and Woj pretty much said it would be a surprise that both aren't going by the end of the draft on Thursday. So really, 24 hours away, they're going to have to be multiple moves made by the Phoenix Suns. And for the TJ Warrensner, I came up with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have been, by the way, trying to trade the 21st pick in the draft for salary reasons. Don't know if this works for either side just because I, I think the Suns want a clear salary themselves. But your thoughts on a structure involving Andre Robertson's expiring contract, which would be expiring in 2020, like Tyra Johnson plus the 21st pick for TJ Warren. And maybe if you need to include 32 pick as well.
1: I think I like that from uh, the two things that I like about that are getting up to 21, because I think, you know, taking a player there, Cam Johnson or Grant Williams, somebody like that would be a great move. Somebody that can, Kind of raise the floor of this team, help them be a little bit more competitive, but stay on their timeline. And then I, I like clearing cap space for twenty twenty. That's the bigger thing that that does. So I think you would have to include um, thirty two and potentially like another future second because the Thunder are. I mean, the Thunder are trying to clear salaries. so that's the one thing that would make it maybe not their first priority. But if they can't get anybody to just take their bad contracts. Maybe they would, similar to the mellow for Schroeder trade, last summer, they would say, well, Warren can play for us. He's a better shooter than what we have in Robertson right now. Let's just try this, and he's going to make a similar amount of money. Um, and maybe that's better than just sticking with Robertson, who's overpaid and can't stay on the floor and can't shoot. So I could see it, and I think it. It probably if it's that construction, I think the Suns would clearly win it but maybe if they threw in something else it gets a little more realistic
0: another one i had I, I, this is any a trade but as far as like what i've seen on twitter so far i didn't realize tj warren had a fan base in detroit because a lot of pistons fans are talking about tj warren how they want him really bad on their team so
1: beautiful let's what, get it done
0: yeah what's your thoughts on detroit then because i mean from the sun's perspective i wanted i think we should reiterate this with the pistons and the thunder just with these two scenarios they would be really disappointed if they took back Reggie Jackson or Dennis Schroeder. That's like a worst case scenario there.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I agree completely. And, um, both of those guys make far more money than, uh, Warren and Jackson makes more money. If I, uh, maybe not, I think maybe Warren plus Jackson, Josh Jackson combined would make more than Reggie Jackson. So I guess if they were to get off of both of those guys, then ta- I just think Jackson's not good. And we talk about the need for a point guard to just raise the the floor of what the young guys are able to just do on the court because they have a playmaker. I think Jackson actually is the exception to that rule. I think his... Tendencies as a player and shooter the same way would actually hurt the team. So I I hope that they don't do that. They don't either one. Neither one really seems to me like a James Jones type of guy. So I wouldn't worry about that. But the Pistons are actually involved in the other trade you had for for Josh.
0: Yeah, he is and hometown kid going back home. In this scenario from Detroit. He was actually in Michigan recently for a an event I saw on his Instagram with Nancy Lieberman. But if he were to be traded back to Detroit, I don't think his value is going to be that much, especially with the Suns just trying to clear cap space at this point josh jackson who was the fourth pick in 2017 two years later gets shipped out for the 45th pick in the draft
1: that's so tough That's nah, um,
0: so rough yeah
1: it goes to show though that how much the sixers actually maybe benefited from markel fultz not playing right like they got a first round pick back for him uh, it's just i don't know it'd be an interesting thing i've been thinking a lot about the twenty seventeen draft with Fultz getting traded, now ball getting traded, and now Josh likely being moved as well. Just how much we liked that draft, everybody. And now Tatum is might might be the only guy in that top four that thrills anyone. Fox obviously has to be part of that too, but just would be a really low fall for for Josh. And I think it's unfortunately realistic. I don't I don't think he has any value around the league right now. I mean, Zach Lowe wrote about the All Star break time, that he had surveyed people and didn't really feel like Josh would be able to get any sort of positive value back, and that was before his you know rough end of the season and then getting arrested. So it's tough. It's it's just kind of the reality I think right now. And if they can get something decent back for him, I I, I think they could probably get a higher second. But I agree that there's not a lot of teams who want him. So it's not just a matter of well we want a top thirty five pick. It's who in the top 35 actually would trade that for Josh and I I just don't know. And so that seems probably around where I think he could get because I think the Pistons would would see him as a flyer. They already did a similar thing with Stanley Johnson. Any team that's like relatively young and kind of trying to turn the page but also capped out, I think that they would probably like that. I think the Pistons would have to send some salary back in that trade too cuz they are over the cap, but that that's pretty simple with with seven 7 million on josh's tag right now
0: let me ask you this just about josh we're on the topic of him i want to just reiterate to the listeners out there as well that i think the Suns are trying to trade josh only because he doesn't fit because they don't want to have to make a decision on his team option because he's going to be obviously if he's on the sun's next year i think we're both in agree he's going to be, have his fourth year option to climb which is 8.9 million dollars think they're just going to trade him right now so the other team whoever gets him can make the decision themselves do you read it that way as well
1: I do. Uh, looking quickly at the Pistons, just as, as an example, they have Langston Galloway making $7.3 million. I actually don't think that's terrible. That'd be like a Troy Daniels replacement, just like an end-of-the-bench guy. So they could make it work. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think you're right, though, that they don't want to have to make that decision. And, um, you know, if, if they can... It's also complicated because you like kind of what we're seeing with Dragon Bender, like there's a little bit of potential of like, well, if our plans don't go the right way, maybe he's not a bad option to bring back on a smaller salary. But then you have to keep his cap hold there, which is going to be pretty huge because he's on a rookie deal. So all those things just make it tough financially to keep him with how little he's shown.
0: Yeah. If you guys didn't know, his restricted tag for next year. If you were wondering, it's $26.3 million. So that that tells you a lot about how big the rookie scale contracts are being just from a restricted tag standpoint, Jackson would be twenty six point two million would be his cap hole, which is gigantic for someone with his caliber of talent. But anything else you want to add as far as the draft goes or any final predictions? Because it seems like now we're we're going in circles here, less than twenty we're just over twenty four hours away from the draft, but I feel like once they get off here, I feel there's gonna be a couple of willage bombs.
1: Probably, but you know, we will we will regroup after the draft. Hopefully you guys are going out there to experience it at the arena. I, I've always thought that that's a cool thing that they do. So we will be underneath you uh, typing away and trying to make sense of all of it. And we'll be back with an episode right after the draft ends like we were last year to try to piece it together. Maybe if someone is not busy, we can, we can get a guest on. But uh, Thursday and then Friday as well, maybe a press conference to introduce these guys or just another episode to kind of pick up the pieces because it will be crazy.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that Thursday night, once we settle down and about to record a podcast, I, I, I really don't know right now what direction they're going to go in, which is actually exciting from our point of view. It's going to be a really crazy, unpredictable night for the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night for the 2019 NBA draft. Appreciate everyone listening on today's podcast. We have the S tomorrow night from Talk Order